You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. Today, we have a fun interview. I'm talking to a clinical hypnotherapist, and we are going to go over some really cool stuff when it comes to your performance anxiety. Yes, we're talking about the bedroom and sex. We're also talking about approaching women and talking to women. And he gives some really good advice. Some you might have heard because we've actually given similar advice in the past. Uh, what I'm saying is the advice that he gives here on this episode, I've talked about and given some similar advice. But there's also some cool things that we're going to be talking about in terms of hypnosis and how this is going to affect what you can do when it comes to talking to girls, getting in the bedroom with girls, and just feeling that overall anxiety, which I know is such a big problem for guys, and I'm trying to solve it and do as much as I can to help you. But remember this, if I could tell you anything about anxiety, it's a terrible catch-22 situation. What I mean is the best way to fix anxiety is to do the things that scare you. If you were scared to go and talk to a woman, I know this sounds crazy, but that is the thing that's going to help you get over the anxiety of talking to women. So sometimes taking action just clears it up. Easier said than done. I know, I know. But if it's, if it's that hard for you and you feel like you can't do it on your own, you know you can always work with me. We can do coaching together. That's available to you at coachedbytrip.com. If you go to that page, you will see a link there to an application form where you can apply to work with me one-on-one and we can help you get rid of this anxiety talking to women. I do it every single day with the clients that I'm working with. And it's incredible some of the changes I've been able to see with guys who come in totally scared to talk to women, fumble their words, and by the time we're done working together, they're able to get numbers and successfully go on dates with the women that they go out and meet in their town. So if you're looking to meet that and want to get better at that, I have a whole system that is crazy, crazy powerful that is going to help you get to the point where you are going to be able to meet women wherever you go. Wouldn't that be a cool skill to have? Something that I've learned over the years and cultivated. And trust me when I say it is an awesome skill to have, just to be more confident in front of women. So coachedbytrip.com is where you go if you need help to work with me. In the meantime, why don't we talk to a clinical hypnotherapist talking about all types of anxiety in terms of women and sex and everything in between. Let's check it out right now, right here. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Good to have you on the podcast. It's going great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool to be able to talk to a hypnotherapist and you know, really just discover what this is all about, what this means, and how this all works. And you seem to really talk a lot about one of the biggest problems that guys have with sex and dating, which is anxiety, performance anxiety, whether it's performing in the bedroom or performing when you're just talking to a girl. So I think it's going to be fun to talk to you and dive into this today. Absolutely. It's a very common problem and overcoming it's a real passion of mine. Awesome. So how did you get into all this? Yeah, well, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my background. So being a hypnotherapist is my second career. My first career was being a professional musician. So essentially, my journey with music started at age 11 when I joined the school band. I was a trumpet player. For as long as I can remember, I wanted to be a professional musician. 
Problem was I had an anxiety problem. Literally every time I tried to play for someone, you know, besides my cat, I got terrible anxiety. And I'm talking about like every symptom in the book, like shakiness, sweatiness, like you name it, I had it. And that happened when I just played for one additional person. And it seemed to get worse the more people I played for. So, you know, if it was 100 people, forget about it, right? (laughs) So I spent about 10 years working on that problem. One of the ways that I worked on it was that I played in church every Sunday. I, I tried to give myself as many performance opportunities as I can. Yet, you know, fast forward to college, I realized in college, despite having been working on this anxiety problem for a decade at this point, I still had performance anxiety. It was terribly frustrating for me. On one occasion, I remember I ended up having a panic attack in front of about 100 of my colleagues. And not only was it a horribly embarrassing experience, but it it was a wake-up call. I, I realized that there's literally no way I was ever going to be a professional musician unless I got a handle on this anxiety problem. I hit the books. I did a lot of research. I really looked around and I found some methods. They were mostly hypnotherapy techniques and some other techniques, which I blended in there. And it helped me address my anxiety problem. Now, it wasn't a magic pill. It took time. Uh, Certainly wasn't smooth sailing, but over a period of time, I was able to get a handle on my anxiety. So much so that in 2010, I was able to win a job in a professional orchestra in Japan. So this was the realization of my lifelong dream to become a professional musician. And I I finally achieved that. It was just a wonderful feeling. Now, on the job, there was a lot of pressure. I played in front of 3,000 people every single week, multiple times. Many of the performances were televised. In fact, to illustrate how high pressure this was, I would sometimes go to the grocery store and the, the workers in the store would say, hey, I saw you on TV. So fortunately, I was able to do that job because I had overcome my performance anxiety and I never would have been able to do that otherwise. And then what's more, I discovered, you know, a set of five steps, five steps to help people handle anxiety in in pretty much any situation. I applied that to dating. Fortunately, I, I met my wife around that time as well. Now we've been married for eight years. Really, you know, thanks to me finding these methods, I made this huge transformation in my own anxiety. And it was so inspiring that I wanted to change careers and become a hypnotherapist and share all the wonderful changes that I had made with other people. So the reason I chose to become a hypnotherapist is because that's what most directly related to the methods that I had discovered that worked so well for me. So let's say someone has really bad anxiety with meeting women. What would be their first step to get help here? First, I think it's important to understand the meaning of anxiety because for most people, it has a a disempowering meaning. You know, a a lot of the, the men I work with, they'll come in and 
they'll talk about their anxiety and meeting women and, and all this stuff. And I'll ask them, so what do you think this anxiety means about you? And they'll say, well, I think it means I'm a loser or I think it means that something's wrong with me. And they'll come up with all these disempowering things that are not helpful because those things, those disempowering meanings just blind them from finding a solution. So really, it's important to understand what anxiety means. And what it means is that you value relationships with women. If you're, you're getting nervous when you're about to talk to a woman, that means you value building relationships. And in any other performance context, it just means that you care. Anxiety can actually help you. It can help you be alert and focused, and it can help you bring passion and an excitement to a situation that you might not otherwise have. So to contrast this uh, a little bit, to compare it, I already told you about the time that I had that panic attack. So obviously then my anxiety was too high, but you want to achieve the right balance. Uh, I also had this uh, situation where uh, I was playing a, a concert and I achieved my goal of not having any anxiety. And that wasn't good either because my teacher came up to me later and said, well, you know, that was the most boring performance I, I ever saw because I, I didn't have anxiety. I kind of thought that was the point of the whole thing. But the point is actually to perform your best in, in any performance situation. So anxiety can help you do that. It's a matter of finding the, the right balance. So just to summarize here, before you can do anything about anxiety, regardless of what situation it's in, understand that anxiety is inevitable. All human beings experience it. We all have it sometimes, but that doesn't mean that it has to affect your life. It just means that you care and that you're a human being. So once you understand that, you're much more empowered to start to overcome it because you can realize there's nothing wrong with you whatsoever. You know, once you discover that and once you internalize that meaning, then you can really take steps to start to address, you know, performance anxiety in, you know, specific situations. Trip, before we talk about those, you know, specific situations like talking with, with women and whatnot, I wanted to just let your listeners know that I, I put together an, a free audio program for your listeners. Now, I, I won't get into the details right now, but essentially, you know, it's called Five Steps for Maximum Performance in Any Situation. So these tips apply more so in some situations, less so in other situations. So when we talk about, you know, talking with women, for example, I'm going to tell you the the main step that applies. And then if your listeners want to get all the steps, you know, I can give them more details on that later. How does that sound? Sounds great. Excellent. So speaking to the specific situations, which one would you like to talk about first? Sexual performance anxiety, talking with women or more, you know, work professional related situations? Let's first talk about talking with women. Sure. Okay. Excellent. So in this case, talking with women, I find that my step number four applies most. And so step number four is you align your mindset with confidence throughout the day so you can be in a positive emotional state when you approach a woman. So essentially, it comes down to state management. When you are approaching a woman, you are making a sale. You are selling yourself. In all the sales training that I've taken, 
they say that it's important to do one thing, to be in state when you make a sale. So that means that your emotional state is consistent with confidence and it's consistent with success. They tell you in these sales trainings that if you don't do anything else, if you only do this one step, if you only approach a situation in state, then you're going to sell more often, way more often than you would otherwise. So essentially, this one step is what makes everything else work. You know, because you you could literally do every trick in the book, every hack to feel confident talking to women. Yet, if you're not in a certain emotional state of confidence when you go over and talk with her, uh, frankly, have lost before you even got started. So that is my first tip. And we can talk a little bit about you know, specifically how to do that. Let's so, hear that. Let me first talk about what stops people from doing that. There, there's something called you know, futility thinking. Futility thinking is when you, you tell yourself, well, what's the point? She's just going to reject me. Or you know, I've had clients tell me, you know, I don't feel like I have a whole lot to offer. So it, it's essentially telling yourself you're not good enough to, to go talk to her before you, you even start. You want to counter those thoughts. Like throughout the day, if you're, you're having those thoughts, that's going to end up in the situation when you're talking with her. So you, you want to counter those thoughts, you know, remind yourself, you know, this is just a numbers game. You know, I don't have to be successful with every single conversation. It's just about continuing to do it until I'm successful. You can think about the things that you do have to offer. Here's the main thing. You have probably, as, as all men have, we've got memories about being successful with women. Like the times when we did approach a woman with confidence, these are incredibly important and something that you can use to get in state. I would recommend, you know, making a list of these positive experiences that you've had with women. And then, you know, before you go to wherever it is that you're going to talk to them, you sit in the car for a second and relive some of these memories. Like you literally close your eyes and revisualize some of these positive memories of when you did feel successful talking with women and really remember the feelings and really just be in a positive vibe about yourself, feeling confident before you approach her. Because it essentially comes down to this. The reason why you want to do this is because women want men to make them feel good. When you are feeling good about yourself, she's going to pick up on that vibe. In my work, we say that the best way to get someone in an emotional state is to first be in that emotional state yourself. If I've got clients coming in, they're talking with me, if I'm in an emotional state of confidence, then they are much more likely to get into that emotional state of confidence themselves. So it applies with women too. If you're feeling good about yourself, if you're focused on what you like about yourself, if you're really excited because you've just visualized some past successes with women, if you're really feeling good, she's going to pick up on that. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be successful every time, but it gives you a chance. You, you might still get rejected nine out of 10 times because women have choices these days. But doing this, being in state, gives you a chance. 
related to this, I I wanted to say a little bit about the uh, incel phenomenon, you know, involuntary celibates. I find uh, involuntary celibates extremely interesting because I've noticed a pattern. They are all above average looking and they are stuck on this story. If I approach a woman, she will reject me. And they are so stuck on this story that it has become a a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point. So what really is interesting to me about them is that they have so much mental rigidity and lack of flexibility that if they would simply take their mind off the failures you know, focus on the times that they have been successful. Now, they might not have been successful with women. That's fine. But there's probably other success in their life. So, you know, the more they can stop telling the old stories and allow themselves to feel good about themselves, regardless of if if a, a woman responds to them or not, that's when they have a chance. I, I really think this is what this is all about. You know, talking to women, being successful with women is... I mean, a prerequisite to all that is being the best version of yourself. And and so essentially all you're doing in a situation when you're talking with women is you're transferring the good feelings that you have about yourself to her. That's all you're doing in my opinion. Okay, continue. Yeah, so it's important to to take everything in stride. Remember that even if you approach a woman in this way, feeling this confident, there's probably at least a nine out of 10 chance that you're going to be rejected through no fault of your own. So take it in stride. You know, Remember, it's not about you. I think the goal here is to feel good about yourself regardless of if a, a woman responds to you or not. If you get your numbers up, someone is going to respond to you. It's just a statistical probability at this point. So just some additional tips here. You want to create an abundance of opportunity in talking with women. Part of what creates the, the hesitancy is, you know, if you're only going to talk to one, one woman that night or that weekend, you have to make this count. And in most cases, that, that's too much pressure. So create an abundance of opportunity Don't talk to one woman to talk to 100. Talk to as many women as possible. In fact, I've heard before um, that this could be taking it too far, but I've actually read before, you know, talk to every woman that you see. Say hello to every woman that you see. And it helps get you past the hump, the uncertainty, and it just deconditions you to when, you know, they ignore you or they don't say hello or, or anything like that. Create an abundance of opportunity. You want to also have a plan for what you will say before, during, and after her reaction. Have a plan of what you'll say if she says yes. Have a plan of what you'll say if she says no. Having a plan takes the uncertainty out of the situation, helps you avoid uh, like an awkward situation. Another tip I have is... If you're nervous about talking with women, talk to women you don't want to date and just get used to the conversation. And then you can move to talking to the ones that you do want to date. Just to to summarize my point on this, you want to be in a positive emotional state. 
And so I want you to practice this. I want you to practice state management, like going through past successes, whether they're at work or whether they're in other areas of your life and practice reliving those, getting in to state. Just a, a, a couple of things on that. So I worked with a professional trumpet player in a major symphony orchestra. He said that, that he made a greatest hits tape and he recorded himself playing his best when he ever felt bad about his playing or whenever he didn't have confidence, he'd go back and review that tape. So that's essentially what I'm advising you to do here. You know, make a list of all your successes and mentally... Like even if they're yeah. from like 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Well, a lot of times you'll find that even if an event is a long time ago, that if it was an emotionally powerful event, those emotions are still accessible to you. For example, you know, by contrast, if you asked me to recall like a breakfast that I had 10 years ago, of course, I'm not going to have any feeling about that because it wasn't emotionally intense at the time. Yet, it was about 10 years ago when I first met my wife. So can I still recall our first kiss? Absolutely. When, when I step into that moment, I can still feel the positive uh, vibes there. So it d doesn't really matter how long it was ago. As long as the memory is still in your mind, you can step into it. You can recall the, the feelings. And then if you don't, just simply choose um, a situation that was more emotionally impactful at the time. Got it. Okay. Got it. As long as you have that good feeling from it still and can recall that. It can be any time, really, as long as it's positive. It might be like a really good meeting you had last week at work, or it could be a, a couple of months ago. It doesn't really matter when it was, as long as at the time, it was a really intense emotional experience for you. So is this a form of hypnosis? Yes. Essentially, this is what we call age regression. It's when you go back and visit an earlier time in your life. Now, a lot of times, you know, in a, a lot of therapies, you know, like hypnotherapists do this for problems. Like, tell me the first time you, you felt shy or around a, a woman or something like that. There can be a little value in that, but that's kind of like going to the junkyard and studying why the cars aren't working, like studying the cars that are in the junkyard and trying to figure out why they're not working. How I use age regression is I have people go back to successful experiences and then help them reverse engineer that in the present. So yes, it, it is a form of, of hypnotherapy, but fortunately, you don't have to be in a state of hypnosis to do it. You can just close your eyes, just get into a light state of relaxation. And really, the most important thing is just stepping into the, the experience. And it helps to uh, recall it in three channels, like visual, auditory, kinesthetic. So you recall what you saw at the time, what you heard, and what you felt. And so recreating those three channels is going to help create a reliable, what we call in our work, a reliable anchor that you can then anchor by like clenching your fist or something like that to lock that in so that you can now be in that emotional state to use for you know situations like what we're talking about. So what about the situations when it comes to sex and having performance anxiety? 
Certainly. Yeah. Let's talk about that. This is one of the areas that when I started my hypnotherapy practice, this is one of the first things that men started to ask for. And so I I worked with quite a few men on this. And so regarding sexual performance anxiety, I found that my step two, which is to reduce pressure, I found that to be the most important step. Because essentially, when men experience performance anxiety, there is typically too much pressure. But fortunately, most pressure is self-imposed. And so it's within your control to change that and to reduce the amount of pressure that you experience in any given situation. And there are ways of doing that. Here's what I'm recommending specifically for sexual performance anxiety. You want to set your own good enough sex standards. So the reason why you want to do this is because different things, society, uh, there's pornography, movies, television, even other men. Like if you hang around a locker room, the way other men talk, it makes it sound like men are always ready to perform all the time in all situations. And if you're not, you're less of a man. That's kind of the message that all of those things portray. And so, you know, men internalize these impossible standards. And so what I'd recommend is setting your own good enough sex standards. And I've heard that healthy men, they may have a viable erection like 85 to 90% of the time. And medically speaking, that is considered perfectly healthy sex standard. Now, it's, it's not perfect, but you know, 85 to 90% of the time, if it's happening, then you really have no problem there. You know, a lot of the times what happens with men is that they have one, let's say, failed sexual experience, and then they really zoom in on that in their mind and they focus on it and they, they analyze it and they essentially mentally beat it to death. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So it's important to set your own sex standards that are, are within your control. And remember, the closer to 100% that, that you make that. So if you say, okay, I want to perform 98% of the time, I mean, that's good. And you, you just may achieve that, but it's an extremely high standard, which means there's going to be a lot of pressure there. And when there's pressure, there's anxiety. So you want to, of course, perform well as often as possible, but you also want to create some leeway there because again, no leeway means more pressure. So when you do this, when you've got your own standards and they're reasonable and realistic, you're going to relax in sexual situations and you're going to let your body naturally do its thing. What if you're just trying to get an erection? I don't even think that's impossible standards. So if you even just get to that point, if they're nervous with a woman that they like. Yeah. So let's, let's speak to that specifically, just, you know, overcoming that, that hump of just getting an erection to begin with. Great point. I think there's a couple of things to do in that situation. First of all, you want to rule out physiology. 
So you want to talk to your doctor. If you're in that situation, you haven't already, talk to your doctor to rule out any underlying health issues that may be happening. You know, that's the first step. But a good method, you know, if you're you're not able to get to your doctor, a good method to see if it's mental or not is when you're on your own, when you're going solo, so to speak, if there isn't a problem there, but there is in the bedroom, then your challenges are probably mental. So I I would assess that in some way first. And then after you have determined it is mental, then you want to take a couple of additional steps. First of all, it's important not to have sex when you don't want to. This may seem like kind of a strange tip, but among my clients, I've noticed that the most common situations where sexual failures occur is when the clients tell me, oh yeah, you know, I wasn't really in the mood for it, but she wanted to, and so I sort of went along with it. Those are the times when sexual failures are most likely to occur. So it's very important that you you don't have sex when you don't want to. And you know, it comes down to being assertive. And assertiveness, I found, like speaking up for yourself and things like that, sometimes that's an issue that's underlying sexual performance, uh, anxiety, lack of erection, and, and things like that. So that's why that tip is so important. Now, also, you want to talk to your partner about what's going on. Because a lot of times, women's responses to a lack of an erection can increase pressure on the man. So a lot of times it's very difficult, I think, even for experienced women to realize, hey, it's not about me. Women tend to really personalize it and really think, oh, he's not having an erection. That means he's not attracted to me or something like that. They get all hung up on that. And so they may respond emotionally to a lack of an erection. And that's just going to increase pressure on the man. So a a famous hypnotherapist by the name of Gil Boyne, he actually uh, recommended this tip to one of his clients. He said that you, you give like a little disclaimer, like before you have sex, like, you know, hey, I, I, you know, it's been a while since I've had sex. It might not be my best performance. If that's the case, it's not, it's not you, it, you know. Uh, so a lot of times that disclaimer will, uh, it'll take pressure off of you and it, it'll help her a- avoid, you know, unnecessary emotional reactions that may play into the pressure. So Tripp, to finally answer your question here, I I know I've kind of taken a a roundabout way. If you are not having erections at all in uh, sexual situations and you want to get over that hump and be able to have an erection, you want to get to the the point where you're not thinking about what's going on down there. So if if you are not having any physiological problems with uh, your, your body, if it is mental, what is most likely happening that's preventing you from having an erection is that you are worried about it in the moment or you're thinking about what is going on down there. The trick to overcome that is you know what I call the ultimate pressure reducer. And th- this actually comes from a book called The Sensuous Man, published in 1972, again in, in 1982. Essentially, what you want to do is you want to do sex play with no sex. 
Because if sex depends on an erection, if you can only have sex if you have an erection, there will always be pressure. So what you want to do is make sex not depend on an erection. Regarding sex, there's the main course that we all know about, but there's also many, many side dishes, many things you can do besides the main course. And so I recommend that for as long as necessary, if you're having trouble getting an erection, stop trying to do that main course. Instead, enjoy some side dishes for a while. While you're enjoying those side dishes, while, while you're just, just playing, so to speak, you're going to have several erections during that time. Don't use them. Just keep on with the sex play. And eventually what's going to happen is that you're going to be able to get through an entire session of sex play without thinking about what's going on down there. When that happens, you're most likely going to be, you know, getting erections again and you're going to be trusting your body to do what we've done for thousands of years if if not more. So so yeah, so the trick is to get your mind off of what's going on down there and that's easier said than done. So you want to go through an exercise like this for as long as it takes for you to stop worrying about it for you to get your mind off of what's going on down there and just trust your body to do what it's biologically programmed to do. Right. Yeah. Instead of just focusing in on that main event, that makes sense. Right. And then in addition to that trip, I, I would say that you, you want to see sex as a team sport rather than a performance. Because if, if you see it as a performance, if you see it as you performing for her, well, then there, there's always going to be pressure. So I think it's important to see sex as an enjoyable activity regarding standards and what we've been talking about. If you, you make that your goal to have both of you enjoy your intimate time together, if that's your goal, well, you're going to be able to do that in a variety of ways. You can do that with an erection. You can do it without one. And in that case, with each encounter, you really can't fail because you can enjoy it either way. When you see it like that, most likely an erection is not going to be a problem for you in the first place because your goal is something else. Your goal is enjoyment rather than to simply perform for her, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It always comes back to being present, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up, Trip, because I, I wanted to say that one universal thing that I've noticed in all performance anxiety, you want to realize that in the moment of the performance, it's pretty much beyond your control at that point. And what I mean is that when you're you're having sex, it's going to go how it's going to go. No amount of like mental hacks or whatever is going to, to get it to go better than it's, it's going to, to go. Now, I mean, you, you can work on it beforehand. You can, you know, improve your mindset, mental practice, things like that, but it's going to go how it's going to go. So the, the actual event is going to be out of your control. Same for, for meetings. You, you know, you're presenting to your, your boss, your, your colleagues. At that point, it's too late to, to practice. How it's going to go is out of your control. So that means you want to just let go in the moment and be present. I, I think so many people, they get caught up in 
thinking about how well they're doing. Like, for example, I've had men tell me that during sex, they ask themselves, is my erection hard enough? Well, that's kind of like trying to fix your car while you're driving down the freeway. It's just dangerous to try to evaluate yourself while you're in the event. That's taking you out of the present moment. A, a good thing you can do to get back in the present moment is focus on your breathing. Bring your attention back to the breath. That's something that's always happening right now. So I'll, I'll tell my clients, you know, in a, in a sexual situation, if a worry thought enters your mind, don't try to do mental gymnastics to try to get it out of your mind. Just take a deep breath and then return your attention to what you're doing. Return your attention to the task at hand. With performance anxiety, sometimes it, it comes up and it takes your attention. So Trip, you and I are talking right now, and you can imagine if, if a small child, uh, say we were in the same room, and a small child comes in, is making a lot of noise, well, we have two choices at that point. We can ask the child to leave, or we can focus in more on, on what we're doing. Maybe we could speak louder. We could focus more intently on our conversation. And essentially, that's the same choice that you have when you're in a performance situation. So anxiety is, is going to come through and it's going to be there. Now, you can focus on the anxiety, but it, that's only going to make it grow. You could ask it to leave, but that's probably not going to work. Or you can focus more intently on the task at hand. Regardless of what performance situation you're in, don't let anxiety distract you. Sometimes it's just going to be there. Just let it be there. Don't fight with it. Let it be there and focus intently on the, the task at hand. And eventually the anxiety, it's going to get bored with that because it wants you to focus on it. Just like that small child in the room, if you don't focus on it, it's going to get bored. It's going to leave the room. That's exactly the way anxiety works as well. So yeah, all this to say, be present. Yes, very good. Very good. So good. what are some of the first steps guys can take to deal with some of their anxiety? Just something like homework they can do. I think an important step would be to write down what I think anxiety means about me. And you, you just write down your first thoughts. Now, it, it doesn't, have to be a, doesn't have to be a paragraph or whatnot. Just write down three sentences or so. Essentially, whatever you write down on the paper, those are the ideas, the beliefs that are creating this whole frustration with anxiety and keeping you stuck. So that's really the first step. After you can honestly say to yourself, anxiety means nothing about me, it's just a feeling. Then the, the next thing you want to do regarding sexual performance anxiety, for example, is you want to set your own standards and you want to talk with your partner about what's going on. A lot of times, sexual performance anxiety and erectile dysfunction and whatnot happens because there's something that's being unsaid but between the, the two of you. So talk about it, get it out in the open and agree that when and if it happens, we're, we're not just going to give up. We're, we're going to keep playing the game. We're, we're just going to do a, a, different, um, a different activity. When it comes to talking with women, you want to 
remember the successful experiences that you've had talking with women and you want to practice getting in state. That exercise that I I gave your listeners uh, about 30 minutes ago where you close your eyes, visualize your successful experience, step into it first person, really allow yourself to to feel that way now. That's, That's an incredibly powerful exercise. Now, don't wait until you you need it. Don't wait until you're about to talk to a, a woman to to use it, but practice it before you need it. Practice it before you need it so that way when you do need it, it it's there. That pretty much summarizes sexual performance anxiety and, and talking with women. Would you like to, to talk about you know professional situations, uh, meetings, Zoom calls, the things like that? Well, I think our time is up here. And I think okay, that the sure. first two things were relevant and, you know, to the podcast and why people yeah. listen to the podcast. Uh, but okay, I'm sure, sure that there are some great things that, that are there. And I'm even sure there's a lot of parallels in terms of what you've already described into what people can take into their business and career life, so to speak. But certainly the five principles apply in, in any situation. Can I give some details about the, uh, the free audio program I've put together? Yes, please. So it's called Five Steps to Maximum Performance in Any Situation. And it's a step-by-step version of what I've given you here. I've included a habit tracker to where you can, you know, pick one of the steps that resonates with you and you can, you know, get a 30-day habit going. So that part will be more automatic and then you can focus on another step. And I really think you'll get a lot of value out of it. And so to get that, you can go to manushypnosis.com slash trip. And I'll spell that real quick. M-A-N-E-S-S-H-Y-P-N-O-S-I-S dot com slash trip. T-R-I-P-P. Again, that's M-A-N-E-S-S H-Y-P-N-O-S-I-S dot com slash T-R-I-P-P. Again, I think you'll get a lot of value out of it. So if it interests you, please go ahead and get that. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes for guys to check that out and learn more. Thank you so much, Sean, for being here and helping us out with this and giving us some good advice. Really appreciate it. Yes, well, thank you so much. It, It was my pleasure. And thanks again for having me.